This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, the American Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm here with my guy, Spencer. And Spencer, do we have a title race? Is that the biggest news of the week? Is there something going on in the Premier League maybe you would like to discuss? Um, Andrew, we had, in the past tense, a title race, mm, but okay. we were we were rushing to the coronation stations on Sunday, I believe. Um, I was actually on the golf course after the City game, but <laughs> I looked at my phone between the rounds, and I was like, wow, uh, Arsenal lost 3-0. This that is that wasn't amazing. a City fan sentence, if you've ever heard it, like... After my game, I you know we're in a crazy title race. I just went to the golf course. I didn't even. I just. I, I, got, <laughs> I, I assumed got the it would all man. work out for me, and it sure did. I actually was assuming I was like, I, oh, I saw us win. I was like, all right, business as usual. They're gonna probably win. It'll be the same as it was before. But uh, no, it was a nice, pleasant surprise for your boy How after about he shot about. Yeah, it, a quadruple bogey average over the holes he shot. So that was a nice, uh, oh, nice yeah. little. Nice little carrot at the end of the stick for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And really a fun, good weekend of soccer, to be honest with you. Um, but, like, that is the main story. I know we don't usually jump right, right in, but there's no more important thing coming on this week than uh, than that. So, Spencer, I believe you have a prepared statement of sorts to uh, to cover your boys here. Uh, not necessarily a prepared statement, just more, <laughs> you know, after, like, I, I don't think we have to really get into the weeds on either of these games, right? I think this is more, the big story is like what this means for the title race. And I, I mean, more so this title race being over and what's the fallout of that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of takes going around this week, right? Like bunch of. Uh, Arsenal didn't have this or oh, this this messed them up or blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I think just where I'm at is it's just been a wild week of people really just getting out there with takes about this title race that I've just found c- kind of crazy. Have you have you kind of found the same thing at all when you've been scrolling around this week so far? Yeah, um, I definitely have a little bit. I think it's it's one. It's the same way. I always have a Chelsea thing to send you. Right. Because they stick out to me and I see more of that. Like you're going to see more of the city, you know, barbs. You're going to be like, well, I'm taking exception to that. Whereas I'm like, I feel, I kind of was saying this to you earlier. Like the only real issue I have is that it's not a coronation of city coming from behind. Right. And it's all just this focus on the London club. It's all just this focus on Arsenal. Right. Um, But I don't know that that's a necessarily fair assumption, right? But that's kind of what I've run into a little bit is like Arsenal's a year early. Like they weren't even supposed to be here. And it's like, that is not what happened this season, right? Like that is not the story of this season. Right. I agree with you. And I I think 
so honestly, the like I can see more of the attention being on Arsenal, right? Like the city thing, I understand even as a city fan. Like it's it's probably tiresome to neutrals to see them, you know, probably winning another title again. I understand that the storylines are on Arsenal. I more so almost mean that I've run into a lot of kind of what you alluded to, the the like excuse making for Arsenal of they're a year ahead, like this is fine, which what a great I, season. Like I, well and the thing is, right, like I think that in a couple months we can step back and say that was a great season for Arsenal, right? Like, especially in a vacuum, it is a fantastic season. They were way, way better than I think anybody anticipated. But, you know, the goalposts move during the season, right? And when you have a eight-point lead on April 1st with basically 10 matches to play, and you don't even get this down to the final day much like there's two games to play, which I, and like I said, in a vacuum, if you told me before the season that Arsenal would take city down to like the 36th match week, that's amazing. But sounds like a hell of a race, right? Like, right. But when you, you know, sprinkle in more context to this, like I think there's more red, not red flags. It's not really the right word, but this is, Definitely like some salt in the recipe, right? Like this is definitely soured the whole batch a little bit. You know what I mean? When you start to really dive between the weeds and see how they achieve second place. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say like if this was a different London club, right? The headlines would be all caps bottle job, Right. All caps, bottle job. It wouldn't be our darling Saka, not quite getting it done, and Odegaard third in player of the year and that kind of thing. No, it would be an absolute blinding. Chelsea has fumbled the bag. What's going wrong? Everything's a problem, right? And we're not getting literally any of that. We don't get literally any of that. It is all perfectly fine that Arsenal, oh, look, they have Holland, they have Pep, right? Like, this is to be expected. No, you just laid it out. They had an eight-point lead on what? April 1st, you just said, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, and maybe game in hand or whatever, right? But, like, an eight-point lead a month ago, a month and a half ago, and you fumble it is an absolute fumble. And they're, like, giving Arsenal the pass. And it's, I, Yeah, it's a, I it's a bottle Can't job. I'm, I'm with you. It's a, it's a bottle job, right? And... I, I think we've referenced it enough, right? I'm not going to circle back and just be like, yeah, it is a great season in a vacuum because it is like it is. It's I, I want that to be apparent, right? That I still think that we'll look back on this as a very good season for Arsenal, but these details do suck for them, right? Like these are not flattering details. Um, I actually did some digging on this a little bit and went back and found some stats. And um, Arteta took over in December of 2019 so he's now had four, three and a half seasons, but he had four end of seasons with this team. And their records over that year, 1920, they went five, one, and four. Um, they were in the top four race at that point, but that knocked them right out of it with the four losses. Uh, 2021, they were actually quite good at the end, but they had such a bad start to the season that it didn't matter. They were so far off of top four that they had no chance of even catching up, even if they probably swept, ran the table, even though they did go six, one, and two. And then last year, remember they were in pole position for 
top four. They were three points clear of Spurs on April 1st. They went 5-0-5 over their last 10 games. <laughs> like, And then we see what they've done this year, 3-3-2 three, three, and two so far since April 1st. Uh, eight points clear on April 1st, and they've bottled that away now too. So this is turning into a bit of a pattern, right? Like All that adds up to under Arteta. They've had 37 whole games from April 1st on in every season, and they've gotten only 62 points. And like just for context, 62 points is going to put you, what, 7th, 8th? every single year like it's it's a very mid ta- mid to slightly above average amount of points for you to cool. get over full course of a season right and if you want to be at the business end of these competitions like the premier league and stuff that's not going to cut it right like i i understand that i'm a silver spoon fan kind of being a fan of manchester city i, I totally understand that that's not lost upon me but if i do know anything because of that it's I've seen a lot of teams, I've seen my team and a title race quite often. I understand how these things work and you can't really be in a title race. Like you're not going to win anything if you're doing the things Arsenal has done over the last month and a half or so, right? Like teams that are in a title race that like really have aspirations to win, they don't blow back to back two goal leads. Right. (laughs) Cities that teams that are in a title race that really want to win, they don't draw at home to a team that's 20th and been 20th all year and got relegated basically a month and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. Cities that are in a, t- I mean, teams that are in title race, especially they don't lose both fixtures to the team that they're racing in the title race and yeah. go seven, what seven to two on aggregate over the two fixtures. Like they lost this title on those details, right? Like that's, yeah. I, they had well, a great I, I start. You can almost year. even start it right there. They lost this title. Right. Right? This isn't a... I've heard a lot of takes of like, this is... City's just unbeatable. You can't beat them. You can't compete with them. Yeah. That's... I I think that's a bullshit let off for Arsenal. I really do. Like, I think that... Look, when you're eight points clear, they did have a game in hand. But even if you say City wins that and it's five, I I mean, I think City would have won that the way they've gone. But like, if it's a five-point gap, like, you're, you're looking at if you win... I mean, my math might be off, but if you win like eight of your last 10, you're probably winning the title, right? And it's not like they've been playing world-class teams. They had City in there in those last 10, sure. But like, I mean, that's that's including fixtures like losing at home to Brighton. Brighton, a good team, but to my point of the what I was just making, if you're really in this title race and you're going to try to win, you don't lose 3 nothing to Brighton at home in match week 36. Like, that's not acceptable. No, and, and if you do, it can be it has to be your only stumble, right? It can't be your latest in the line of stumbles. Like and I think I think there are a couple of, you know, like to I guess you now have kind of painted me into a corner here of defending Arsenal for the sake of discussion. Um, you know, which I hate being in, but like, you know, I think the one thing you can do is blame the injuries, right? But that's what really a title winning season is about. It's about depth, right? It, it really, really is. I mean, City have not had a perfect run of health either, right? And, you know, not all injuries are created equal. But you look at, like, their back line, and their back line just did not have any depth in it, right? I think is, is maybe kind of where you're heading, actually, with this. But, like, it's just not been good. Yeah, I actually love how you've organically teed me up for this because that's the other thing I've really heard is the injuries, right? And 
Arsenal have had a few injuries, a few big injuries, right? They lost Jesus, but Inketia stepped in beautifully for that. Um, had some injuries in the midfield, like Partey was out for a while. But honestly, Jorginho has been pretty good. But the one that really I think you could latch on to for Arsenal is the William Saliba injury because he's been he was so good for them the first right. 27 games of the season that he played before his injury. And it's been very noticeable, the defense afterwards. But um, I, I think that I, I actually dove into this, right? Because City's also had a big injury at the back. Like Ruben Diaz was out for quite a bit of the year. I looked at how these teams kind of performed with both of those guys out in and out of the lineup. And um, with Saliba, Arsenal was averaging 0.93 goals against a match. Without him, they were averaging 1.89. That's a huge difference, and I don't disparage that at all. That's double, basically, what they were. Right. I think more than double, actually. Yeah, but either when you look at City, goal. Yeah. Right, goal. exactly. Um, and they had him for 27 games. They haven't had him for the last, uh, what's well, quick mass nine matches. Nine. And yep. so that's your sample size there. But when you look at city, right? Like Ruben Diaz, huge at the back. We talked about it earlier this season when he was out, like what's going on. Like maybe that's the problem with this team. And when you dive into the stats, they're basically, um, they are lower in goals. I mean, their goal difference is better. They allow less goals than Arsenal just in general defensively, but 0.64 goals against a match with Diaz in the lineup with Diaz starting for City and without him starting 1.31. So you're looking at basically another double of – so like those things add up, right? Those things line up. Right. We're looking at we're looking at both these teams are very much disparaged by that. And you also look at City. Like this is just what I mean. I'm not trying to make excuses for City. They have a great squad and stuff, but like they don't have any fullbacks anymore. <laughs> like they're playing four center backs is, their, is Pep's first choice is like what he found in this season is I don't have any fullbacks and he sent one of them away to Bayern because he was being a crybaby. I'm beginning and he's to just think like, maybe you're not a huge fan of Kyle Walker. <laughs> I mean, I'm he, not he, a huge fan I don't know of if Kyle you Walker. saw. I don't know if you saw the Real Madrid stat, but he didn't get dribbled past even one time. Well, that's even one time. amazing. He actually wasn't horrible in that game, but it's fine. <laughs> but that's really the only scene. I mean, Rico Lewis is with the team for sure, but uh, like Kyle Walker's the right only now. he's the only real senior level fullback right on back. this team yeah. right now, and, and, and not even just right, back, right he, or left. Back. Has, yeah, no, and any any has obvious deficiencies to his game, right? Like you you like to give Kyle Walker a lot of shit, but he's a very very good defensive back, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a he's not good in attack and in a team with that much attacking and passing quality, right? It sticks out like a sore thumb because even like Ederson will put the ball on a plate ninety yards from you, right? And when Kyle Walker acts like a through ball would be impossible. It definitely For sticks sure. out. Um, yeah. To kind of kind of wrap up kind of a little bit here. Um, so I think the the easiest counter argument, right, is to like Arsenal bottling versus Spur. Uh, not Spurs. Wow versus a city going and winning it is to say that you guys have the accumulated champions league squad depth, right? Whereas they really only had the, I mean, they had the Euro, you know, Europa league and that kind of thing. Right. But they didn't have champions league to worry about this year. Right. When any team goes into the champions league, you bol- you naturally bolster, right. You have more games going on. You can kind of feed more mouths that way. It's the opposite problem. Chelsea will have next year. Um, so one, do you think it's just like in the war of attrition? Uh, I've already seen quotes from Arteta saying that they plan to, you know, go break the bank, right? They're looking at maybe 200 plus million spent this summer, 
right? And not just, you know, depth pieces, right? Going and getting new starters for that there. So do you see this next year as a true fair fight versus this year as a like Arsenal surprise, right? But the inevitability of, of uh, City. Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm not ignorant to the fact that City have a better squad on paper than Arsenal. That's, I think, a fact. And anybody that's nice, that is out of their mind. And I understand that. Um, where I do kind of criticize Arsenal, and we can get into the next year thing in a minute, um, is this past season. Like in January, if... They they knew where they were in January, right? Like, and they went out and they got Trossard, which was a great signing. And they got Jorginho, which was he was quite good in the midfield when they needed him. So far down this run, they didn't get anybody at the back, right? They they willingly chose to keep Rob Holding as their third center back, and they lived and died with that. And you know, you look at the prize, I just the prize money, man. If they would have won the title, they're making like what 150, 160 million pounds. Like, you spent what, 25 million or whatever on Trossard and Jorginho, you couldn't spend another 15, 20 million on an older center back just to give yourself some cover in case you ran into injuries or something like, so I don't give them a pass on this year, right? Like that's just Stan Kroenke being a cheap fuck. Ask me about that anytime you want. I know all about it. St. Louis Rams fan here, but yeah, I think next year, look, they're going to have champions league football. They're, going to be able to detract a couple big signings. I've seen a lot of takes of like, they're just in trouble now. It's, it's over for them. Like this was their chance. I I think they'll be back there. And I think this whole experience will be a good thing in the long run. Like this is them learning how to win. Like, right. You got, you got to usually, I I do think it is a year early. Like I think the year early argument when you're like, well, we didn't expect this from soccer. We didn't expect, jesus to be an immediate thing that works to this level right Mm -hmm. if you said hey i don't really know who's gonna play zinchenko or tyranny right like no no no. that work it works their lineup works perfectly when everyone is playing their game at the highest level which i think arteta had them playing at that level for six months including a world cup right i just think it it the inevitability and the squad depth of you know, like, I mean, it's just you go down the line, right? It's, oh, okay, if Gabriel Jesus is hurt, Eddie Niketia can do a job, right? If Erling Holland is a little tired, we bring on the World Cup winning Julian Alvarez. Or we put KDB up in that slot, right? Like, you know, the fact that one of Foden, Grealish, Mares misses a match every match is not a problem Arsenal has, right? Um, next year, I feel like they will have that, Um but I think it's I, I don't know if you're ready, but I'm I'm ready to congratulations to City. Um, I really hope they don't win it this week, as that is going to be uh, an unfortunate fish, an unfortunately timed fish and fries derby here, coming up at the weekend. Um, but I think it is time to kind of focus on our second half here, the bottom of the league, Southampton mathematically eliminated, ending the 11 year run, Spencer. I think we should each say three nice things about Southampton. Not crass. Their fans are going through a hard time, right? This is kind of the worst thing that can happen to you, maybe in sports, right? I think you can maybe make that argument as like a team sports, the worst thing that can happen to you, right, is getting relegated out of the prem. Um, I, I can start if you if you want. I can say I think three I nice can. things about Southampton. If you got three locked and loaded, sure, go ahead. 
Hopefully you don't steal my, I had like two come to mind right away. <laughs> no, I know. I kind of, I kind of sprung this on you, but I was like, everybody, anytime someone's mathematically eliminated, I hate to pile on, right? Cause there's a lot of people sitting and talking about what went wrong at Southampton. I want to just say three nice things, right? Sure. I hope we see Fire them off. Come right back up, bud. One, I think you have the best right-footed set piece taker in the Premier League, right? Quite possibly that I've ever seen. And and like the fact that it's like, I don't know, would you rather have James Ward-Prowse or KDB take this from 25 yards out, right, is an insane discussion. Um, he was hurt. He's, mixed, he's nicked up a little bit this year, right? Um, I don't I, – maybe you can make the argument he didn't play up to that level, but – really one of my favorite players to watch. I'm a speed merchant. To have one of the slowest players be one of my favorite players to watch is is an accomplishment. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I really love watching JWP. I think we got to put some respect on him. If we're going to give KDB, it's got to be JWP. I think he's earned the act like the acronym the just yeah, and I, I also think he might have the best Premier League celebration that happens all the time. The, the golf, golf swing, swing he tees one up is is beautiful. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. Just creative. Gareth Bale is just so mad he didn't think about it, and and Real Madrid would have murdered him. Um, <laughs> do you think? Do you think Gareth Bale told him like I've got this sweet thing I want to do, but you know the people in Madrid already hate me. It'll rush the pitch. It'll be a huge problem. I, I like to think he like <laughs> he did it in training one time and like Marcelo or something walked up to him. It was just like, yeah, maybe, maybe not Gareth. Maybe that's not yeah, no, the he, best idea. He, he, he immediately, he immediately got pleaded by some Academy product. Right. Um, second nice thing I want to say is I really, they had a, they had a bad season, right? There's no doubting that. I really like kind of all of their young pieces. Right, I think Lavi is a good player. If you, like, however many of these you can hold on to, right? This isn't meant to be a eulogy of like guys I want Chelsea to go and buy, right? Although this is a little bit how it feels. But Lavi is a good player. I really think Alcaraz is pretty good. Um, uh, Benzunu, I think, is really good. The goalkeeper, the yeah Irish goalkeeper no, I, that came from City. I think he's actually think, quite good. I think Benzunu's been pre- yeah, exactly. I just think it's kind of. It's like a team on paper. You'd be like, if they could stay up, like they might be in trouble next year, right? Um, but obviously, they have they have not. Um, third thing is, I think I'm like the third thing I have is that it is uh, really sad to see Theo Walcott go, um, like just like one of the original Premier League guys. Of just like, oh yeah, he's on teams, he's doing it, whatever. You're he's always around. Not on the, oh, okay. You, I thought you were giving me a look like he's not on that team, and I had the the panic of like, oh, am I just completely missing the? Well, it, I, I probably did give you that look at first because then I was like, you're like Theo Walcott, and I was like, oh, holy shit, he is on Southampton now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what, like, but he's like, just one of those guys. Feel, I never would have thought like, hey, you're gonna have like Theo Walcott like moments this year. Um, and then just as a, kind of as the last one, like they made for so many really, really good games that didn't go their way, right? Like as a neutral, usually turning on the, the team, the first team to get mathematically relegated sucks all year, right? They're usually just getting beat up and down. Like they were largely like very competitive and had a couple heartbreaking losses and ties. 
Yeah, I agree. I, they were like, it wasn't like a Norwich going down type of situation. Yeah, where it's just that, like, that's what I'm referring to, where it's just I like, oh, what, stop, stop. They're already dead. I wonder what Norwich is doing. Oh, it's 3 nothing at halftime. <laughs> Southampton was a little more, yeah. a little <laughs> yeah. more entertaining. Like, didn't they get, did they also lose like 8-1 this year? Was that what got house in I'm sure they, I'm, I'm sure they had their games, right? I mean, clearly. Um but like losing eight one is a kind of extravagant too at the same time, right? Like right. that's that's I like I might turn yeah. it on to see how bad it gets too. So like they did they did offer quite a bit of entertainment. <laughs> yes. No, that's yeah, I, I think they're sad sad to see them go. Um sad sad to see them go. Yeah, I, I think for a couple of nice things you didn't get to, I, I always loved the Pep Guardiola Nathan Redmond loved affair like that kind of thing yeah. where he was Always like saying so, so, so good, so, so good, Nathan Ridman, so, so good, and which it was always, know, which, as you know, is the pep kiss of death. Of we're going to kill you, we're going to destroy you. <laughs> I think that Pep just loves any right back that's kind of fast and he think could maybe pass the ball a little better than Kyle Walker could pass the ball. He's like, maybe he can finally yeah, be this guy, the guy that gets rid of him. No, Pep, uh, no, I'm not kidding. It's probably why I don't like Kyle Walker that much because Pep's always been kind of like passive aggressive about Kyle Walker being any good at football. <laughs> like he's always like, he's, he's very fast. He works very, very hard. But like, mm-hmm. never, but he, I, you can tell he totally thinks he's technically like a potato. So yeah. I think Pep's always just enamored in new fast right back who could maybe com- like maybe link up, play a slight bit better, but never worked out, never got Nathan Redmond to City. So guess we'll never know um what else i appreciate i, I very much appreciate them getting that aforementioned three three draw with arsenal yeah. that was very nice for me it's i like wish they would have the relegation the game, game is involved in one of the games of the season like, it might be game of the season doesn't happen the all the, the time yeah. yeah no like that doesn't happen all the time that's so that was great and um one more nice thing i uh i, I think that they have a very decent chance to come back up right like some of these other teams we're going to get into a minute they're financially in such trouble and their right. team is old and the squad's ugly and their coaches right. play good football kind of like, already like stripped for parts a little bit right they're I a think, little yeah bit, yeah and, and they're young like as you alluded to they're really young they went really young like kind of we said with arsenal a year too early like it's, it's almost was like a year too early for southampton i think too to have this team figure it out really and I think they could go down and kind of pull like what a Burnley did and kind of change their identity a little bit, play more progressive football, and they could be right back in the prem next – well, not next season, the season after. You know what I mean. But they could be yeah. right back up sooner than could later. could be a rebound right back up, right? They could be one of these yo-yo teams that, you know, everybody kind of thinks about. Um, moving on, kind of rounding out the uh, kind of the big results from this weekend um, – Let's talk about teams that I don't think will come right back up <laughs> if they go down. That's kind of yeah, that great good transition. But Leicester yesterday get absolutely wrecked three to zero. It looked like a funeral um, to me. The financial implications are they're not dead, right? They're they're down. They're not technically dead yet. They sit at thirty points. Leeds with thirty one. Everton currently safe with thirty two. Um, and then Nottingham Forest with 34, who's got to feel pretty good. Not technically safe, but um, definitely where you'd rather be on the right side of the bubble there. But 
Spencer, is there any chance Lester fight their way out of this, man? I'm going to be honest. I I think it's kind of snuck up on us, but like Lester, I, I can't see them getting out of this, man. Like they're just I, like they, they're so frail at the back. They just can't keep the ball out of their net. Like they, they didn't even start this game that terrible. They were kind mm-hmm. of fine. And then they gave up a goal kind of. I'd say almost against the run of play a bit. And then it was just, you felt the air go out of the stadium and it was just inevitable that the next one was coming. And it came, I think three or four minutes later or something. Yeah. So they just, they, they don't show you anything that makes you think they're going to get out of it. And I mean, they play Newcastle away and then West Ham at home. Like that's not what you want, right? That's, yeah, and Newcastle, a Newcastle team Newcastle that's really away. battling for the top four too. Like that's it's an yeah. important game for Newcastle as well. It's not like it's a dead Absolutely. fixture for them. No, Newcastle's Newcastle's got an like that, that's a huge game for Newcastle, right? Sometimes you can get lucky and find a team in ninth, right, who's not playing for anything. But no, I think it's I think it's a crazy. It's just such a crazy fall, man, for for Leicester. Um, and I don't know that they can get out of it, man. I, I just like what it would take like what three James Madison free kicks or something like crazy. Yeah. Right. You'd have to put the whole team on his back. Like Tielemans already said he's leaving, right? Walking on a free. I Which saw is that disaster for today. Yeah. And it's like you could have sold him to any team for forty million for thirty million, right? And hell, twenty million. Right. Even if you even if you took it as almost a loss, right? Like that twenty million would be and he hasn't been very good for them this year. Well, I mean, remember right. he was linked to like every club every... I felt like last off season, and they decided to hold yeah. on to him, and they could have they could have gotten fifty million for him, and they they kept him, and now they're going to lose him on a free, well, and it, it, it they're going to go the, down anyway. Yeah, and it goes to the yeah, and it goes to the recruitment thing of like they've been so able to recycle, right? Player sale, new guy. Player sale, new guy, and they missed on a couple of these new guys. Right? Like the defense has not been good. They sold Wesley Fofana probably before they wanted to, right? But they got a huge price tag. And like, I don't know that Wesley Fofana, he's been hurt this year, right? But like, I don't know that he keeps them up. He's been good for Chelsea. He hasn't been incredible because nobody has. But like, if you think about him in this back four, right? As just like, okay, there's one guy who's going to win the ball in the head in a header and can at least like, you know, run and do stuff, be a competitive player. Cause like, there are times, man, when people start running at their back line and it's just like a goal should never really feel inevitable unless it's like a beautiful passing move, right? When teams run at Leicester, I just feel like it's like, oh, any little thing will be in the back of the net here. Yeah. Like it's the ghost of Jamie Vardy. Not going to be able to pull him out of this maybe. Um, but let's uh, – you want to hit Leeds and Everton and – Kind of I mean, I think bottom up yeah, here. I mean, it's I, like we said. I think are are you saying you think Lester's probably done too? Like, there's they're probably not getting out of this. See, I just don't I, see them like like I think they need to feel to feel if you're Lester, right? To feel it all safe, you need to beat Newcastle heading into the final day of the season. Yeah, right on Monday as the standalone Monday, you know, Monday football game. You need to beat Newcastle. Nobody beats Newcastle, really, right? Like, it's a very, very hard thing to do. So mm. to have it be a 
necessity for them when goals have been so hard to come by and they still can't really stop anybody. I just don't feel good about that, right? It doesn't seem like a likely outcome, right? Like we always kind of like to say, you know, a free kick here, right? A header here. Newcastle could absolutely show up and lay an egg, right? It, it does happen. But what have they given you to feel good about? Like, is there any reason to feel good about Leicester right now? No. Yeah. And that's why I, I'm, I'm ready to say they're dead. So um, we'll see. Maybe they pull a rabbit out of their hat. You never know this time of year, but I, I think the race is really for that 18th. I mean, to, for that 17th, 16th and 17th spot technically, but like yeah. the race for I, us I know, is I know what you mean. Yeah. who's going to finish 18th. Cause I think it's between like, like I said, I, I, I've drawn my Mendoza line. West Ham's good to me. I think they think they'll be fine, okay. but it's forced Everton and Leeds. Right. And those are three pretty big clubs. Like force, at least traditionally, you know, a pretty big club Leeds as well before they're kind of fall, but they've been yeah. in the premier league. What this is their third season up there. And then Everton's been up there for, ever basically as long as i can remember yeah. right like my whole soccer watching life like everton's been in a mid-table in team front. and now they've fallen yeah. off but uh, it's going to be fascinating right like between these three um and it might even come down to like goal difference right like everton and leeds are one apart in goal difference to one point apart and one in goal difference as well like Everton losing three nothing to City over the weekend might be a really big deal in this whole thing. So yeah. I, I think it's really between those. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish those teams like somehow we had a combination of those teams playing in these last two fixtures. But of course, they've already well, played their legs together. But it'd so still be fun. I, I I weirdly think. At least two out of these three games are winnable for the team in question, right? Um, so West Ham plays Leeds, right, on Sunday coming up here. That's a winnable game, right? West Ham has not been good this season, as as you've heard me, you may have heard me say that before. Um, we think they're safe, and mathematically it's close, right? But they're not technically out of the woods, I don't believe yet. But my math's been wrong before. But it's a, definitely a game that means more to Leeds than it does to West Ham, right? West Ham is beatable this year. A lot of teams have done it. Even just getting a point there would be huge. Everton plays Wolves. Wolves who have somehow, after you got on them, scrambled up to 13th, right? Um, but definitely a beatable side. So we could have wins from both those teams. And then Forrest hosts Arsenal. Arsenal, who, you know... Would we playing for their Premier League title lives as much as we just said they were dead earlier? Um, but like two of those three games are realistically winnable for the team sitting in um, the second and third bottom places, right? In the relegation spots, as we say. Or I'm sorry, 18th and 19th. 18th and 17th. Sorry, messing me up every time. Yeah, and I think you can almost make an argument that Forrest might be getting. Arsenal on like the best cup, like the best oh, stretch of the year you okay. could get Arsenal because I mean, did you kind of see what Arsenal like how dejected they were after this loss over the weekend? Like, they're like Odegaard did an interview where he's like conceded the title, basically said it's over. And so you might be catching Arsenal at a time where they're like, well, 
we're just locked into second. We fucked up, whatever. Like maybe a dejected Arsenal. It's the best time of year to play Arsenal, and they, their their form <laughs> honestly has not been great this year. So that might be no. They're they're on form alone. You're right. It's not been right. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's actually as bad as of a fixture for Forrest as you we would have it thought. Looks like on paper, th- but right. And Still not an easy one, playing, but well, you, you'd rather be playing West Ham or Wolves, but if you're going to play Arsenal. Yeah. There may have never been less wind in their sails. I think it's like a fair yeah. way to put that, right? Like, there's a chance they show up and beat you nine nothing because they're mad about how the season's gone, you know. But I, I mean, a lot to look at at the bottom of the table, man. A lot to look at at the bottom. Yeah, it's going to be real fun, and I feel like this is a good, just natural place to plug this in. Is that, um. We know next year Burnley up. We know Sheffield United. I don't know if we've actually mentioned that on here before. I mean, we might have mm-hmm. like, we yep. a couple episodes ago, but um, we're we've got a good chance of like a American versus American in the last playoff final because um, Luton went through today. They are going to Wembley for the playoff final to go to the Premier mm-hmm. League, and yep. the other fixture is Borough versus. Um, who are they playing? Coventry, and that's tied nil-nil. Zach Steffen, goalkeeper for Boro. So we might get Horvat versus Zach Steffen for like promotion. That would be kind of cool. So <laughs> at the top yeah. of the championship, I guess, like good place to say, like, who's gonna be replacing these teams? We know two of them that we'll figure out who the third is here soon, but be fun. I, I'm just rooting for that. That would be fun to have USA versus USA, man. <laughs> it's just such a fun, yeah, no, absolutely, and it's it's such a fun like just way to end the season with the focus being on the top and the bottom, right? Right. And just the whole pyramid is fantastic. We've talked about this before, but speaking of USA players, Spencer this morning alerted to first by credit here Zach Matz. Florin Balogun to the United States men's national team. Spencer, how excited are we to flow? So excited, Andrew. Um, Look, I I think we'd all kind of thought Balogun, the writing's been on the wall since that last camp when he was in Orlando and stuff. Like the internet sleuths have figured out he was in Orlando. He's at the magic game. I think the writing was on the wall. We kind of all thought this was, going to come to fruition for the U.S. and Florian, but officially today happened, and, you know, instantly the U.S. probably has a new starting nine. I I think you have to say, like, just off merit that the guy, like, look, Pepe's been quite good at Groningen since he's gone there. Um, I saw a stat the other day. I'm like, Pepe's. Right, but I saw even a stat with that. Yeah. I saw even a stat with that, like, of Pepe's got, they've got, like, 32 goals or something all season, and Pepe's got a goal or an assist on, like, 19 of them or something, which is insane. Uh, that's off the top of my head. It was something ridiculous like that as he's factored in to directly so many of their goals. But nonetheless, um, I still think, regardless of that, you look at Balogun, right? The guy who has 19 goals in the fifth of the big five, but nonetheless a big five league in Europe. Um, yeah, that's huge. I think he's got the resume to say that that's already he's top dog for that spot. Um, and if nothing else, uh, 
having the depth of him and Pepe, like having options there is always a good thing, right? If Pepe is more closely to what we thought he was a couple years ago or Sargent keeps playing well, like he kind of did for Norwich this year, these are all good things. Yeah. This is there, there's, there's no way to Competition's spin good. this negatively, right? There's no negative spin good. to this. You, I don't think. You never, you never know who's going to pull, you know, twist an ankle or something like that. Right. What this does is my favorite, my favorite part of it is guys who are guys who are young guys who are pushing for those spots, right? Now have something to chase, right? Instead of sitting there and going, who's Greg going to pick, right? It is, I have someone I need to outperform, right? It's like you run faster chasing the person ahead of you than you do leading the pack, right? Does that make sense? Um, and I, I think if you're, if you're Peppy, if you're Sergeant, if you're like Daryl DK, right? If you're all these guys who have a shot at like being the real striker for the next cycle, right? They they just put somebody in front of you, right? You have to run him down and be better than him. And I love that, right? The having even just having attacking options, guys who can give you different stuff. Um, to kind of talk about his game a little bit, um, you know, go it's it's the same as when your team gets a pick in the NFL draft or anything else, right? Oh, it's Fuller and Balgun. He's actually committed to the U.S. I'm, what five-minute highlight will am I going to watch of every goal he's scored this year, right? So my takeaway is he's in the box, making really good runs. He finishes right foot, left foot, and he scores with his head. So I don't – I mean, Greg has been in the past, and we don't know who's going to really be the coach here, but focusing on build-up play and all these other things that somehow put Jesus Ferreira in the lineup. But but now you have a true, like, mix between those kind of guys, right? I, he's not just a poacher. He's not just a, like, Sibachu, right? He's not just a Peafock who's in there just to head the ball in, right? He can, do, he can do a lot of different things at the front of that attack. Yeah, I think he's quite similar to Pepe, like, w- what we want from Pepe. When Pepe's good, when Pepe has been good for the U.S., uh, Florian Balogun's done that at a more consistent rate at a higher level than we've seen from Pepe, it, yes. right? Because yeah. Pe- Pepe kind of gives you that, too. He kind of gives you some headers, some runs, some finishing, like, some good finishing with both feet. Like, I, I think he's quite similar to Pepe, but, like, he's just got the better – resume on paper of what he's put together so far through his career. So like I said, if nothing else, I, I think he steps in right away. Like uh, I'd be surprised if he is, you know, God forbid an injury or something late in the season. But if he's in that camp for the nation's league semifinal against Mexico, I would fully expect him to be lining up between Pulisic and Weo or Reina or whoever the hell Anthony Hudson or whoever the hell the manager is by then picks. Um, it's nice to have a no I, with U.S. soccer lately. Uh, right. At least we know our yeah, nines. We don't know much else. No, and it's, I mean, I've, hear, I've heard a couple people. I would have been a statement. <laughs> I think uh, I've heard a couple people kind of like parade this as like a win for Burhalter, right? Um, I don't know if that's true, right? Time will kind of tell on that, whether they're going to bring Greg back or not. Um, but it's it's another good advertisement to other dual nationals, right, that are playing at a high level. The U.S. is a place you want to be, right? There's talk that England, we're going to call him in this summer, right, to kind of cap tie him, right, and, and you know, not much else. But 
when you look at it from his perspective, like, is he going to come in and be like the savior for us? No, he can be a very good player. He could even be a star of one of these teams. Right. But you know, it's not, he's, I just want people to know, like, it's not a done deal for sure. Right. People can still beat him out. He's a very, very good player, but anybody who's sitting up there thinking like, Oh, problem solved. We have this guy. It's, it's not at that level. Right. We hope mm-hmm. he can be right. He's a young, really good player. Right. He's 21. And the other strikers we're talking about are Pepe's still what, 19, maybe 20. Like mm-hmm. it's just a little bit more experience there. And at a high level, I'm, I'm very excited for it. It's, it's fantastic. Really good hype video today too. A couple of them. Yeah. A yeah, couple I saw a really good, good like hype today. videos. I was like, look at you guys flex. Look at us soccer. Getting something done out of the soccer house, man. It's like, is it the U.S. soccer house? Is it the U.S. hype house? Like, what are we doing? The U.S. soccer hype house? The U.S. soccer hype house. Yeah, that that was our second choice as a podcast name if Fisher Fries was taken. (laughs) First house of hype. (laughs) No one's ever come up with that before. Um, But yeah, no, he's got a huge uh, shot. You said, I got to look at your notes here. First game against Mexico and Vegas for the Nations League. Um, you want to take like? Is there a better way to indoctrinate your new your new player than to put him against Mexico and just yeah? Like, and hey, this is this is the level we're at. This is the level of like people caring about shit. Like yeah, uh, they they actually asked him in the interview. I don't know if you saw it today. They were like, "What do you think it's going to be like to play against Mexico potentially in your first match?" And he seemed. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force it. He he seems pretty monotone through the whole interview but he did seem to perk up a bit for like the mexico match and like you know go against the biggest rival like thrown right into the Concacaf fire he's probably going to get two-footed by like hector herrera or something and he'll give him a nice little blow him a nice little kiss yeah blow him a kiss and be like welcome to Concacaf, buddy you're not in uefa anymore (laughs) but yeah like it is like i mean and he, he's played, like, he, he comes from uh, the same, like, English youth national team level play of, like, Eunice Musa and other guys that are so, you know, highly regarded by the English system, but then it's kind of, like, nowhere to go, right? Um, because as much as, like, Eunice Musa's great, I don't know that he's getting into a midfield, you know, with those other guys who are a couple years older than him, right? Once you take off the, uh, the blanket... Um, you know, the blanket of like the starting team for that. It's like, where do these guys go? Um, we have, um, yeah, no, first game against Mexico. I'm, I'm super excited for it. It's a really huge get. Um, really shows well that guys like Eunice Musa and Tim Weah and that type of stuff are like recruiting well. And it kind of makes me wonder like, who's next? Who's the next guy that U.S. soccer kind of has their eye on? Because, they're not missing lately and they're killing it with the English targets. Right? That's a really good way for them to be going right now. Trent Alexander Arnold, it's time to come home. As like a center defensive mid, though, because Dest would play him off the field. <laughs> uh no, yeah. I don't I don't know that that's uh really in the works. That would be a FIFA one time switch. One time switch. Would be much more. I would be yeah, he could hit a one time switch all the way at the Pulisic, it'd be great. Um but I don't know that that's maybe in the cards. We need Reese James to be real, real healthy and keeping Trent out of the lineup there. But uh, 
talk about fumbling the bag. Like, who fumbled it more, Arsenal or Gareth Southgate? Trent Alexander-Arnold spurns, spurns home country. Like, oh, man, what a villain move that would be. That'd be so much fun. Just like, even if if, if Trent was even just like, uh, yeah, I'm going to play for, uh, you know, the French national team. Like, the French can never get a right back. It's the only position they don't have. Shit. Like, it's a little, it's actually kind of a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. They already, they just... already played Kieran Trippier, the most French sounding name I've ever heard over him. So, you know, if you're looking, if you're third at the depth chart at England, uh, start seeing about those grandparents, right? Give us a call. I will help pay. Spencer and I will split an ancestry.com. We'll, you know, really try to get in there. We'll get the full paid version, right? Like it'll, it'll be a really special summer project for us to see who else we could kind of be like, Hey, what about America? Miami's fun. Don't you want to go to Vegas? Wouldn't that be sweet? It'll be all good here, man. Yeah, man. But yeah, it should be exciting. Can't wait for that game against Mexico. Now it's just a little extra spice on that one. So Probably our first time seeing him in a U.S. kit. That should be fun. But um, I was that kind of round thing. Disappointing thing about the video today is I was reminded how much I don't like the kits. Yeah, they do. Like, he's standing in one, and like he had the, like the first one I saw, he's like standing with his back to camera with the uh, flag over his shoulders, and I was like, oh, awesome! And then he turned around and he had the kit on. And I was like, I oh, threw up, man. That's gross, but you know. We move on. We move on. Um, listen to us on Spotify, the same place you can uh, make sure to access all your favorite Barcelona League champion content. Um, Spencer, Spotify winning La Liga. Thoughts, prayers, ad reads. What do you need? <laughs> Would you like um, to skip 15 seconds? I can put it into car mode for you. What do you need here, buddy? Well, also, I actually I do me audiobooks, Spotify. Stop trying to do it. It's not. Well, happening. I was going to say I I do feel that at least on some level, like you know, I won a title over this past weekend because I am a Spotify Premium subscriber. So, Ooh, um, on my back, I at least I am. As I well. at least that's a, oh, there that's we a go. Co championship, so, beautiful. That's a co championship for the boys. Uh, congratulations, Fish and Fries Podcast. Our we at least paid for a fraction of them, like stealing Andreas Christensen from Chelsea. So pat on our backs. It was a free transfer. I like to think I was involved with them overbidding for Rafinha. It's kind of how I like. Ah, who's um, actually Rafinha? See, pretty good this year. It was immediately back on the block of like, hey, if anybody wants a winger, um, congrats on the win. But uh, you know, yeah, for sure. Like. I I think, see, here's the thing, right, is I think we've already, we've established ourselves as a little bit anti-Barca just because we have a bad taste of how the whole off-season went, last off-season, particularly you, as they just stole everybody Chelsea wanted and Todd Bowley was crying in a corner for the first month and a half of the transfer window. 100%. But um, but I, I think we do have to be like, congratulations, right? They, they were fantastic in the league. Their defense, they've only allowed, I think, like 14 goals over the entire season. So yeah. the defense has been great. Christensen and Arujo has been fantastic. They have been impressive. Lewandowski's had a really good first season there. Um, Quietly. Yeah. Like, like weirdly right. a quiet like Lewandowski season, right? Right. He's just scoring and winning titles. Just, you know, Living same thing as when he yeah. was at Bayern, right? <laughs> but yeah. um, no, it's. 
like I, I guess the bigger question is right. The league title is definitely great. Um, you should be happy if you're a Barca fan. You should celebrate it. I, I still have bigger questions, I guess, of is this enough, right? Like they, they lost in the group stage of their uh, Champions League group, obviously. But I think we we kind of all maybe thought it might be worse than what it was this year, like that they might be fighting for top four in La Liga or something, and they won the title at a canter. So I, I don't know. Do you think this is like the start of a golden generation at Barca or is this like going to get picked apart when the financial ramifications of everything falls on them? Yeah, or like, is there, so, is there going to be a day that to pay the piper and it's going to all come crashing down or like, what do you think, man? Yeah. So um, I think kind of the first thing to say is like, congratulations on like an, like an awesome season. Right. Um, you talk about, you know, what are they going to do? There's still a team that runs out Pedri, Pedri and Gavi and has Xavi as their manager, right? Like kind of the first thing I want to like remember to say, because I think it's kind of getting lost in this, is Xavi has been great like for them, right? Like they've been really well managed all year. You haven't heard about um, any issues in the league or anything like that, right? Obviously not getting it done in the group stages is enough to probably put a question mark in his back. But when you get like the club legend pass, right, with all of that, I think I think he's he's fine. He's been very very good. Um, it's weird. You're right. It's a very weird season because they have Gavi, Pedri, like Araujo. Um, they have these kind of like building block players, right? Um, but it's but they've been supplemented by these big expensive players. Even when they get like Christensen on a free, right? They still spent a ton of money on Rafinha, and they're immediately looking to sell again. Right. That's already been kind of put out there that like, you know, hey, if anybody wants Rafinha, give us a call like 90 million. He's yours. Like Barcelona teams of old are not looking to sell their best players. Right. Barcelona might have to eventually like it's like weird to know, like when the Piper will actually need to be paid and when or if this is just going to be something that kind of looms forever, um, like, like the city stuff right? Like the city FFP stuff. Um, it's just tough to know when to do that, but, but, you know, really good season to be honest. Yeah. And I think like, honestly, just my hunch is that they'll probably be fine if it's just this year, but like next year they're going to have to do it on both, not, like not necessarily win both, but they're gonna have to be into the business end of the league and the champions league next year right like that's it's that's yeah. this this same model wouldn't be acceptable i think over two years because they need the quite frankly they need the commercial money that comes from the champions league and getting further into that competition like we still are seeing somewhat regularly about them liquidating certain things to free up funds for the club and that like Pull you said this Right, pull, pull the lever, but like, and people being linked, like Rafinha. I've seen other people on the team, like Kessier. I've already seen like linked up moves after they just signed him mm-hmm. last year. So, yeah, something's gonna have to give next year. It's still there's still a shaky foundation, I think. But when you look at that team on the pitch, I mean, it's a it's it's one of the better teams in the world, and the foundation definitely has cracks in it. Can they repair them before the whole house comes down? Uh, I guess we're going to wait and see, but well played this season, I guess at least domestically, because they were, um, 
they were fantastic. And I think they're going to have to face also a reloaded Madrid like next year. It sounds like Jude Bellingham's basically a lock to go to Madrid too. So, and you yeah. can all, you know, you know, Madrid, they could always bring in somebody else huge in the off season to supplement that too. So you have a reloaded Madrid that's hungry to compete in La Liga again next year. So um, I don't think that the league will come quite as easy to them, regardless of what they do, what they sell, what they bring in over the off season. But be fascinating next yeah. year, man. Uh, no, I, be I fascinating think, to see what happens. Yeah, I, I think is is kind of a good way of putting it. Is like, is this going to be a wake up call for Madrid? Right. Or is this like and they're going to open up the pocketbook and make some moves. Right. We've already talked about Bellingham going there. That's not going to be cheap, but it seems to be done like a lot of these Real Madrid moves are already, Um, you know, and where do they strengthen the squad? Where do they push? And um, I think a lot of how Barcelona is going to feel about their season is actually going to take place um, on Wednesday and seeing if Real Madrid is going to get to the final because uh, I think you know those are always you know it's always talked about those are the measuring sticks right um, not to bring it back into a minor pot you know minor negative note about city as we've literally coronated them earlier but um, that is Barcelona's favorite right Barcelona's getting out their pep jerseys and swinging them around their head like please don't make this look any worse than it, than it is that's probably why I didn't have like a ton on coronating city because while I am happy I we're on the eve of that Champions League game as we record right now. You're and I, 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 I've got Chelsea's the... Chelsea's coming to town. You're stressed. What are we going to do with Enzo Fernandez? <laughs> Frank Lampard, tactical mastery coming into town. I, I actually think... Actually most of his guys to make sure you wrap the league up. I, I actually <laughs> think, right, that this Chelsea fixture might be the Premier League fixture I've cared the least about in a long time just because... Like if city if city do lose tomorrow, <laughs> then I'm just gonna be horrified by that. And like uh, if they win and they win the league on Saturday or Sunday or whatever, like that's great. But I'm it, it's it's gonna be too fresh of w- what happened in the Champions League. Where if they win, I'm gonna be riding such a high of that that they could go out and get thrashed by Chelsea and be like, that's whatever. We'll just beat fucking Brighton or whoever the next week and we'll win the league then like because if they won the league right after getting out of Champions League it'd almost be like just happiness overload I think it'd be too good of a week and I, like winning the league would just totally get lost to me all right anybody so. is at Spencer Sherrod on uh, Twitter to just send your direct hate mail right to him I, I, I said I was a silver spoon fan top. earlier yeah that's a golden spoon up your ass more than anything else um, <laughs> it's just really tough to hear of there's never been – it's the Fish and Fries Derby, and there's never been a game I've cared about less. Like, all right, man, appreciate it. Uh, we are at different spots this season, aren't we? Whew. We'll see. I'm, like, praying Maybe not to get embarrassed. It's our Super Bowl of, like, all right, if we can get – we can, like, draw with City. It might feel a little respectable, and, like, it won't. But, you know, it'd be nice. Sure, I'll, I'll give you, like, a lame duck. 1-1. I, I would give you that right now if it means... Hey, we've scored tomorrow. multiple goals in multiple straight, in multiple games in a row, and we've already hired our next manager, which is one, you know, one of the things. It's not official yet, so now wait for this to be a, a huge problem, but um, unless you got anything else, buddy, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Well, uh, we should mention just on the Champions League thing, we don't have a ton on it, but 
Inter did finish off Milan today. Oh, yeah. That sounds yeah. so weird when you say it that way. Inter Milan finished off AC Milan today. Milan. Yep. Uh, they were up 2 0 after that plays in the same damn stadium going to the final. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were up 2 0 after the first fixture, 1 1 0 today, 3 0 over the two legs. So congrats to Milan. We'll see. Or Milan. God. Ace. Milan. Congrats to Inter. Congrats to Inter. I'm this the, the Inter Milan Lukaku's versus Lukaku's going to the final. Whoa, Lukaku's going to the final. You know, Olivier Giroud is not. You just got to think of it as which former Chelsea current striker is playing more soccer, and it's Lukaku somehow. Um, one last thing I actually forgot about Barca: the video of them celebrating their league title and then getting run off the field by Espanol fans, right? Which I know is like a crazy political thing between those two clubs, right? So I don't really want to get into it that much. But like, that is part of why soccer is so much fun. There's nothing people care about more, right? Yeah, like, I, I kind of loved it. So, like, get the so, fuck off yeah, my yeah, field. Yeah. Get somewhere else. My field. Like, is it the exact opposite of what we're watching when like an NHL uh, playoff series ends and they respectfully shake hands and don't want to touch the trophy? No, Barcelona was excited. The people of Espanol were like, we should get these fuckers. We should get them. <laughs> Chase them back to the other side of town. I'm here yeah. for it. I, I, I love know. the passion. That, that that's the last. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, yep, that is the reality of soccer in other countries. Whereas here, we cannot get a domestic TV deal done. Uh, the duality of man. Fun. Um <laughs> But yeah, man. Unless unless you got anything else you're you're dying to get to, I think it's about time to wrap this one up. No, um, just like I said, massive pit in my stomach. We're gonna be back later this week uh, on Thursday to yep. talk about what the fallout of tomorrow City Madrid game is and anything else that might pop up in the interim. But I'm horrified. I have the worst feeling of. Look, if they lose, just lose normal. Like, don't do the city thing of like just ripping my heart out out of nowhere, like Real Madrid did last year. Just if they lose, just don't don't hurt me. I don't want to be hurt, Andrew. Let me down gently. But we'll see. City don't tend to let me down too gently in the Champions League, so I'm not feeling it's either going to be a win and it's going to be the massive monkey off my back and i'll have to hit a really hard reset for the final um or it's going to be a crushing defeat but we'll be back either way to talk about it and uh get into the fallout of it either way until next time until then my friend take it easy